techniques, and that's some of the more basic. How many of you are currently not conducting a bell choir? You just want to find out how. Okay. Uh, how many of you are ringers? Okay. Um, can we just real quick do like no more than 15 seconds a piece on what you do related to bells and, and other musical things? Uh, Tom Edmonds, First Methodist Bossier City. I'm the Minister of Music and uh, just always looking for new ways to incorporate my bell choir into other aspects of the service. Good. <clears throat> I conduct uh, adult handbell ensemble. I conduct adult handbells. Um, Doug Little from Montpelier, Vermont. I conduct and play uh, in our handbell choir. Um, we do have the, the heavy brass uh, Schulmeyer bells, which is have a very different tone, and it's difficult to find music because of the overtones. And uh, it's something that sounds splendid on something like this is really weird on, on those bells. Yeah. And they're heavy, very heavy bells. Um, I am a senior in the Baylor Church Music Program. And I've had one chorus on handbells. <laughs> and I played for over 20 years, and I currently conduct adult, youth, and children's handbells. Children's chime group. I'm an organist and at, a, at First Methodist in Lancaster, Texas. And I direct, I developed a three-octave choir chimes group. We don't have handbells. Okay. I'm a volunteer. <laughs> I... I play in the adult bell choir, uh, and I help with the children. <coughs> More power to you. I'm a ringer and do what my director asked me to do. <laughs> Perfect. We need more of you. Yes. That could be questionable, because oh. I do know him. Okay. <laughs> Sarah Stafford, Wilshire Baptist Church in Dallas, mm. and um, the associate minister of music direct the adult handbell Choir and children, and we're trying to get the youth started back up. Okay. I'm Brenda White Scott. I'm from Simple Baptist in Italy, and I try to ring the bells. Okay. Foster Summerlad, uh, music director, Lake Highlands Presbyterian in Dallas. Um, just out of the mold. I just started the job this month. Wow. And, um, yeah, I'm sinking. Um, <laughs> there's a sucker for everything. We're building an adult handle choir. Good. I'm Karen O'Neill from Carthage, Texas, and I am the director of Teach College now. That goes hand in hand. I'm Billy Adams from Colonial Hill in Snyder, and uh, I'm just with the ring the bell. Okay. Jerry Spiegel from Colonial Hill in Snyder, and I play keyboard and ring the bell. Um, I'm Brady Kilpatrick, the Associate Minister of Music at Talbot. In Houston, I started playing handbells when I was a sixth grader and first Corpus Christi years ago. And I direct the Talbot Handbell Bar. I'm Ellen Wilson from Salado, Texas. I taught handbells in Houston for 20 years before we moved to Salado. And that, uh, now I'm at First Baptist. Uh, Where were you in Houston? Grace Presbyterian Church and uh, Lindbergh Methodist. So you were you there? No, yeah, that was that was after Hard Rock. Yes. Grace. Yeah. I'm Danny Cardisco. I'm director of music at Central Presbyterian Church in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. 
Um, and I have a adult youth, and I just started in Hanshan for kids. I'm Deborah Holland. I'm uh, the director of music at Trinity United Church of Christ in Greensboro, Pennsylvania. And I've been playing here in Bell since I was a teenager and have directed them for over 30 years. And that's enough. <laughs> More than enough, yeah. I'm Wayne Miller. I'm director of music in uh, Cypress, Texas. And I direct the adult choir and orchestra, handbells, children's choir. My name is Nancy Bell. <laughs> I, I have run handbells since junior high. Uh, several years ago, I got to direct our handbells for seven years until this wonderful person came into our lives. And now I get to read. Excellent. I'm Brandon Fultz, I'm the Director of Music at First Pres in Conroe, Texas, just north of Houston. Um, and I'm the choir there, the handbells, and I'm worshiping with the band. I'm Sarah Russell, and I'm the Music Director at Windy Presbyterian Church in Oakland, Washington. And we've just purchased some hand chimes. I have uh, been a handbell director both in Stuttgart, Germany, and Dosan, Korea, as well as at Methodist Church in Oak Harbor. I'm Jackie Sue Stevenson, and I'm handbell coordinator at First Baptist Bryan, and I have been directing bells since uh, for 27 years. I'm volunteer. Well, I'm Vivian Guy from First Baptist in Longview, Texas, and I am I've run handbells since I was 13 years old, and. Uh, I'm the director of the adult choir. I've done directed youth uh, handbell choirs as well as children and preschoolers in handbells, and I also <coughs> direct the senior adult choir and ladies' on stage. Who did we miss? I'm Chuck Blanchard from Dallas. I'm the music director organist at Christ Lutheran Church uh, in Highland uh, Park, and uh, let's see. I direct the choir, play the organ. We have a three-active handbell uh, choir, and we have a three-active children's hand chime choir. So. Well, I'm Eric Mullering. I'm a music director at Bentwood Trail Presbyterian. Um, it's up in Dallas, off of Preston Road. We've got a wonderful organ, a neat organist, and I direct the choir. We have a three-octave set of children's bells and. Uh, semi-active uh, group. Uh, I'm about to retire as a teacher after 25 years in public schools and three years in private schools and uh, um, I hate to proselytize but I'm, I'm the new Schulmerich representative for Texas. Oh, good for you. So, <laughs> welcome. Help me become a professional. <laughs> Sounds like you're going to be putting a lot of miles on that car too. Yes. Did we get all around? I guess. Oh yes sir. Doug Burton, First Baptist Church, Burnett. I'm the Minister of Music and Education there, and I do I do handbells also. Okay. Well, quite a variety. <laughs> it's really very interesting. Um, well, then I'll probably be telling many of you things you already know, especially in this first hour. Um, but come to a table. We're going to just run through a whole bunch of techniques first. This was his, and I have a second. 
That handout you have, you don't need to read from because it's exactly what's up here, but bigger. On the, bigger on the wall. As soon as it comes up. I've got something here. Yeah. Gloves? How can you Gloves have plastic options. Yeah, I mean, I can't really see This one looks too small. Let me find a. Which trip There we go. Slide in any place. You don't need to have two two uh, belts. We're going to be doing plenty of music. Okay. Um, first thing we want to do is a basic ringing stroke. Let's see. I don't want to show you with something that big <laughs> this early in the day. Uh, you probably know that the bells are, are supposed to be adjusted so they ring better one direction than the other. And they, the little um, campaniform, the little bell icon is supposed to be facing. Um, we, do, we don't have a maintenance session today. It would be fun to show you how to take them apart and put them back together and do all the adjusting, but we don't have that in your cards today. I have the but, first part down perfectly. Good. Taking apart. Taking apart. <laughs> no problem with that at all. And I'm sure our brand new Schulmerich rep would be happy to come to your church and help you with, Put back with all the adjustments. That's very So here, pick up any old bell. Lean it back toward your shoulder a little bit. Fingers all the way around the outside. Every once in a while, somebody figured that this was a good idea, and it's just not. By the way, I'm going to, this is the only time I'm going to say this. I'm, this is my opinion. Everything else I say, I'm going to say as if it's the whole truth. And you have to, just, you have to insert in my opinion before everything I say. Okay, we're, we're all the way back. Then go up and straight down. And then away from your body. Like that. And then ring it at about 4 o'clock on your circle. I've been doing this so long that I've been through every fad that has ever been known to handbells. Um, we're being told these days that the best thing to do is to ring it and keep it fairly vertical. And, and uh, here's the reason that that is being mostly taught today. Ring the bell down here by your waist and then take it up past your ear and see when it, at what point it's the loudest. Get close to your ear so you can have a moment of real truth. Do it again. The sound leaves a bell, not like a trumpet, this way, but in a plane off the lip. So if you ring it like this, the sound is going to the angels and the cloth. 
<laughs> but not to the listener. Sometimes that's a good thing. If you, if you have a whole note that you want to sound like an organ chord, you give them less of it at the beginning, and as it decays, more. So I actually, with a bell this big, I can make a crescendo. So if I do that slowly, it'll simply stay even. And you won't hear any decay. Most of the time, uh, it's this. My wife teaches this by saying, uh, she works with kids a lot, and she says, pretend that you have your best friend in a Ferris wheel car right here, and you're, you're, you don't want him to fall out, but right here you want to give him just a little thrill. <laughs> okay, the, another very important piece of the basic ring is to have a preparation stroke, sort of like breathing to sing. That together, lift and, and then down and out. And even in my pro group, I tell them regularly, if you'll only lift together, that chord will sound together, and it always works. The belly the best way. Again? The other thing to tell ringers as a director is, put, put your bell down for that. Take your right hand and hold it right here, and then put your left fist under it. And then bounce your fist on your wrist. And then from out here. From over here. Now take your fist away and bounce it at the same place. And out here. When I make that in the that abrupt change of direction in the air with my hand, that's when you make vinyl touch metal. So you have to prepare, just like I'm not going to go in my conducting, I'm going to go. You have to do that with your bell, too. So do it again, and I'll conduct a chord, and let's see what it sounds like. You play a bell, and I'll do the conducting. Good. Okay. Now let's do some uh, other stuff. Let's damn. The more, the, the more metal there is, the more metal has to touch cloth. So these little puppies, you can just look at them and they turn off. <laughs> or, hold, or, or just wait a second. But the bigger the bell, the more you have to have it touch something around. Women are more, usually better equipped than men. To touch <laughs> but, you, but you have to at least really get this. You can't just do the lip of a big bell. You have to do something that will turn it off. When you go into the table, this thing will go off just by touching the table. This, I have to really work at it to go off. And the other problem with, we'll talk about the in a minute. Let's just do a, a, a half note chord and then off, and let's make sure we're all off together. Almost, huh? Again? Yeah, good. Um, now, about table down. The reason plucking and malleting on the table works so well is that the foam actually amplifies the bell sound before it cuts it off. That's why, would you do a table damp for us? Hear that? The vibration gets picked up by the foam and it blooms a little before it disappears. It has a very short life, but that's why sometimes you hear 
a bass run that goes wah, wah, wah as they are table damping to move quickly. And the way you stop that is by doing this. At the same time you touch it, you put your hand on it, or just being really uh, firm about getting it in the table fast. And sometimes pulling back. Do that again, and just as you touch the lip, pull back toward you a little bit. And it really just turns off. But if you can ever avoid table damping, especially with big bells, it's a good idea. Okay, now we're just going to go through all of these things. There is a booklet that um, Handbell Musicians of America have now on their website as a free download. It used to cost 12 bucks. And it has all this stuff in it, plus descriptions of how to do them. Okay, a thumb damp, which really is a thumb ramp. We're doing a different kind of thing for thumb damping these days. But in a bell this size, you can just put your thumb on it. If you have gloves, as many of these, with plastic dots on the inside of the palm, you may have to put more than just that because it won't be a firm damp sound. Down here, put a thumb and a finger, or even a whole palm. Okay, let's do one of those. It's a stop sound. Oh. Yeah. Again. There shouldn't be any ring oh. at all in the thumb down. Uh, somebody do it up here with a smaller bell. Yeah. See that? You have plastic. That's right. It's that. Okay. Do it again. Right. Um, then a pluck. And this they call it this because it sounds like pizzicato strings. You grab the clapper on the inside with your thumb at 12 o'clock and your fingers at 5 and 7 o'clock. And with it sitting on the table, right. if you press it into the table, it'll really dampen and you won't get much pitch. There is a point, and it's a different point for everybody, where your thumb is too fat for the size of the bell to get in there. In that case, you can pluck up, which you generally have to do by turning the bell over because it's been adjusted to ring better in one direction than the other. So you have to go like that. Right. However, when you do that, they often track it down the table a little bit. Plucking used to be... Say, this used to be much more important than it is now because we've started to use mallets to do the same effect. Uh, but it's good to know how, and I'm doing several pieces this year where we're insisting on plucking, partly because I'm old and I don't want them to forget how to do it. I still think it's a good technique to use sometimes. But mallets are way more reliable dynamically and rhythmically. Yes, sir. Are you using your thumb like to flip it down? Yes. Lift it up with the fingers. Fling it down with your thumb. Yep. Yep. Uh, any stop sound on the table also shows when your table rattles. And that's a special effect that we probably ought to write a piece to take a minute. <laughs> but you do find that something needs to be screwed or have a piece of tape wrapped around it sometimes when we're doing this. Okay, moving on. The next technique is called pluck lift. And it's, it's chronological. First you pluck it, and then you lift it. Lift it 
right away so that there's still a little bit of rung sound in it, but it starts with that little thud, okay? So I'll do it once just so you know what you're looking for. Okay, try it. It's a timing problem more than anything else. piece in a few minutes, a place where I use that when it doesn't tell me to. Uh, the idea is when there's a long run of stop sounds, and then the next note is just rung, and all of a sudden it's, you know, boring is a good word. Sometimes it's practically inaudible because the ear has gotten used to thump, 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 thump. And so I do a pluck lift on the next note, or a mark lift, which we'll do in a second. Okay, the next one is ring touch. This is not a stopped sound, but we stop it quickly. It's how short a note can you play and turn it off quickly. So play close to your shoulder. Try to, yeah, just do it once. Even shorter. Right, now don't be early with it. That's trick. Good. Uh, now, do it without making an accent. So we're going to ring quarter, 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 ring touch. Yeah, except there was a bit of an accent on it, wasn't it? That it's not a, a dynamic marking, it's only, it's really just a staccato. This is handbell for staccato. Again. Yep, good, good. Oh, I, I was going to mention the thumb damp thing. Something we are seeing a lot these days, and it's mostly because Sonos in San Francisco has been going around the country telling people to do this. From about here up, things can be made to look really beautiful and still be damp. The first time I saw them do this, I thought, this piece is not supposed to be LD. Why are they doing that? And then I listened and said, oh, they're damping. How are they doing that? Well, the bell's out here. They just touch it with their thumb. They keep the stroke going, and it looks like they're playing a whole note. I'm, I've started to use that a good bit. Because it looks pretty. <laughs> okay, next. The next two are mallet issues. There are some mallets around. We'll have to share, I think. I'm thrilled that so many of us are, are here. We weren't set up for it. But it's, it's great that we'll have to share a little bit. Do you see the difference between these two? This one has a staccato dot, which means it's going to be a short note. This one doesn't, so hold the bell in the air, and we're going to hit it with a mallet. But first, let me say this. Look inside your bell, and look how far from the lip the clapper strikes the metal. That's what the engineers have designed it to, uh, that's where the engineers have decided to sound best. So on the outside of the casting, hit it in that same spot. Right. And I find it much better to do what Sandy's doing. Hold it, hold it sort of horizontal. Yes, because then you can get into the groove. If you hold it up, it'll sound better, but only if you get in into the, the curve. 
pass it around a little bit, pass the paddles around so everybody gets to try it. section is that they'll they'll show that symbol for a bar and then say simile. Just keep on. Um, now something interesting about the one in the air, of course you can play, you know, four or five bells if you can figure out how to hang them and hold them and so on and do this. That symbol implies LB. So unless you're told to you don't turn anything off while that symbol is in use. Okay, moving on. Martellato. Um, this is where the bell is struck into the pad. What we never tell middle schoolers is martellato means hammered. <laughs> and 12 year olds do not need that information. <laughs> um, it just doesn't have to be hard. Again, it's not a dynamic marking. Just straight down like this. If you do, if you do this, you're in danger of breaking either the casting or the handle. So just go almost straight in. It's very expensive and also usually bad music yeah. to mark from, from high level. You risk three tacos is an excellent way to say it in this part of the world especially. Uh, I don't know if they get that in Minneapolis. <laughs> and then its partner technique is mark lift, where just like the pluck lift, you, you bring it out of the pad while there's still some vibration going on and try to get it vertical so that little bit of vibration that's left will be heard by somebody besides you. <laughs> this technique was invented by a group from Tokyo called the Glee Handbell Ringers, and they called it Echo Ringing. We have a different thing we now call echo ringing, but they, they called it that because it sounded a little echoey and because their alumni group was called the Echo Handbell. <laughs> and they used it for several pieces that they used to tour the United States with. Okay, uh, next, LV. Can we just, those who have the correct bells in your hands, can we play this measure, please? Can you see it okay? Here we go. Again. There we go. Yes, yeah, so be sure to, to everything here except C is gone when we play the F chord. That's what this implies. Now if we didn't have this C repeated, it would just be a, it would sound as if it were a dotted half note. But if we didn't print it, it would still be sounding. Let's do that one. So don't repeat your C. Here we go. 
That's right. Now, this bar is exactly the same, except this symbol is basically the same as that. So play this bar. That's right. Now, this scale, or, you know, it's sort of a scale, isn't it? It's, it's Picardy. Um, this symbol is called a selective damp. So in an LV section, we can say, yeah, it sounds great, except that E doesn't fit over the long wall. So we're going to damp it right on V3, and the same thing with the G. So basically, by here, what we have, because it still says LV, is a D minor chord. So can we play that once, please? used actually quite a lot in music, anything above sort of level two, which we'll talk about at, at a later point. Okay, now two different ways of playing a loud chord and then a soft chord. I put it in the bass clef because it's a bigger problem for them. But first, uh, everybody pick up anything in the C major chord, C, E, G, and play it quietly. And, and while it's played, well first, do the breath stroke first, right, the up for preparation, and then once it's ringing, stay in motion a little bit. Not so much with these things unless you're, you know. Okay, now play, we're going to play a whole note piano and then a, a whole note forte. Do not damp in between. Okay, now we're going to play a forte chord and then a piano chord. than that is. This is called a controlled diminuendo. Who knows how to do that? Nope. nope. Yep, with your other hand, just bring your hand right up along the bottom. Yes. So cloth rather than plastic would be good. Okay, so everybody do that now. Do that C major chord, and then do a control diminuendo. And I'll actually show you how long the four beats is going to be this time, so you have some idea what to do. Well, that wasn't a diminuendo. That was gone. <laughs> Let's see if we can make it last a little longer than that. Use your ear. Yes, and then play a piano chord right after all we're doing is, get, is making it possible to make a diminuendo over four beats. You may not have to do any of that in order to make this balance with you. Here we go again. Listen. Okay. 
Now the other one is called a brush dab, and that's what you were talking about, where you just lightly brush it against your shoulder and knock out three quarters of the sound without turning it completely off. Okay, here we go. possible instance so nobody but you knows you did it. Here comes the piano. Okay? And we do see that in, in music. They tell you, do a brush dab here. And if, if uh, it doesn't say so, and you're not getting a good enough piano in your second chord, then use that technique. Okay. I have here some singing bell batons. We'll spread them around so people get to experience it. It really only works up to about here. Oh, okay. So is it important to have these special kinds? I'll just use lemon sticks. <laughs> yep, people use all kinds of different things. These, <laughs> yes, these are just uh, one-inch dowels. They, uh, the, they belong to Baylor. We use two different sizes. We use also, a, uh, I think it's a half inch, and then this size for the smaller bells, that the smaller ones work better. And then this stuff, you can make your own, but you can also buy them from people who are, will take the time, because it's kind of annoying to make them yourself. But you buy the stuff at Home Depot that comes in a can that looks like a tennis ball can, and it's what you dip pliers in to make the handles um, plastic covered. And you just take it down as far as you want, and take it out and let it dry, and do it again, and let it dry, and do it again until you get it thick enough. These probably could have been thicker because, as you can see, they're kind of wearing. Some people make the sound just fine with bare wood. Um, we make it. We make them start a lot faster. Sometimes, you know, at the beginning of a piece, you say, "Go." And then, you know, you, you go out for a cup of coffee before you get any sound. Yeah. Um, it seems like the, the, the smaller bells has a lot more trouble getting the sound than the big ones. That's exactly right. This well, technique does not work it. well up here, and we rarely see it asked for above about G5. When I was researching it, there were several places online that said uh, to barely tap it up here. And then if you can do it silently. That's exactly right. Yes. If you get any vibration going first, in other words, then you can do it. Sorry, what is that called? Singing bell baton. The first ones that were used were, again, Sonos in California, and they, um, they used track and field relay. Because <laughs> they're nice and sticky. Huh. Do you know anything about Whitechapel bells? Yeah. Because I have, we have struggled to get the singing bell going on some of some of the bells we get to go, and we use mallet handles and stuff that just. You'll wreck mallet handles. Yeah. So Try this. Okay. Yeah. Either get them or, yeah. or buy them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the idea is, you hold this really firmly, and then you hold this really firmly, and you sort of stir it. And it shouldn't take long to get it going once you know what you're doing. And once it's going, slow down. A lot. Just enough to keep it going. Or you get that shrill thing that's just annoying to listen to. 
This is supposed to be pretty. <laughs> and the congregation is like, how did they do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're here in the next hour when we talk about bells in worship, remind me to talk about using that in worship outside the piece of repertoire. Okay, try it if you haven't before. And ask, try holding it this way. You get a strong burst. Oh, I'm sure. You were doing fine. You know, I don't know if they do. Um, it's just that I'll, I'll, I'll put some up on the board. I can hear you. Any questions about that before we go on? Okay. I want to use it now this way. Can I just steal the ones that I put up here? I want to actually play these chords. So up to G. Here, you need to keep one. And here's what you got to do. Because they take so long to get going, I got one. Okay? Um, in order to have this chord appear on beat one of the next bar, you have to start it about here. And, and there will be a little bit of this going on, harmonically. Okay? Here we go. Is the implication the same that it's an LV or no. not? No. Or stop the sound on the first measure one? Yes. Anything except for the C. This one has to be, this has to be gone. But start it here. So if I'm going to actually expect them to start on beat one, I'm going to, for the first time this year, conduct a whole bar before they start, instead of just giving them an upbeat as I usually do. Because you need to start humming by about two beats before in order to, to be there by beat one. So here we go. One, two, three, four. Okay, and then you look at him, I lost it. Needs to start <laughs> the director, you by about B3, the F chord. Okay, let's do it again. One, two, three, four. That worked. Let's start the next one. And we don't have enough sticks or hands to play this. You get the idea? Enough to be able to use it? I've not seen it like that. It's usually just layering on uh, one note at a time, so I've not seen the change of chords. Yep, and there, because it's now becoming so popular, you know, help. we go through such fads in, in publishing and composing that it's the hot new thing. You know, for a, for a couple of years there, you, you almost weren't allowed to publish a piece that didn't have echoes. 
<laughs> okay, speaking well, of that, was, a lot of the uh, singing bell that I've seen is like eight whole notes tied together. Exactly. It just goes on and they makes a carpet of sound. They lose the beat and you have to scope. Yes. Well, and I don't mind saying, just keep going and I'll let you know. Yeah, that's fine. I'll worry about the melody and now, okay, now change yeah. chords. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's go on. The next line, those arrows go with the SW, which means swing. So you're going to go down on beat three and up on four. Can we have just the whole notes play, please? I think it's A and E. It's bass clef. One, two, and down and up. And one, two, and down. Okay, now here's here's what happens with the swing. Three things occur. The first one is obvious. It goes below the level of the, the table, usually, so it's going to get quieter and louder because of that. The second thing is, because of the plane of the lip, you're going to be having less of it, but then when it's down, the plane's going out again, but the bell's down here. And the third thing is, it gives a little bit, you remember high school physics, of a Doppler effect. The pitch gets higher and lower. Higher and lower. So it also changes, it bends the pitch a little bit. Okay, let's go on. Tower swings, yes, yes, we stopped using that. Um, I actually saw once when it was still called a tower swing, and you were intended to do this. Oh. And it was at a festival that was in a cathedral. Oh. And the stone wall oh, right there, and this kid went, crash! <laughs> they bought a new bell right now. <laughs> okay, now the next part. Yes, ma'am. It depends totally on the sound you want and your physical setup. I've got two people right here when we play in the sanctuary who can't do that because the pulpit's right there. And it would be, you know, that, that technique has not yet been approved <laughs> for general use. You can remove the pulpit. Um, but I've also <laughs> seen where you have, have no room at all and they just do this. Or they can't go anyplace, you know, just basically tilt and big bells. And there's a piece that my bass ringers and my pro group are doing right now where instead of going down, they're going back. Do you straighten your arms or? Okay. Probably, yeah. But again, it's you want to be sure to not hit the table, as we were just watching Cynthia Brinsky used to say if you would ring it, and then step back and bring it to your leg and then come back up that way you miss the table yep and you don't hit the yep the wall. you're not going to go any farther than your leg can yeah. go sure we've done enough of these techniques now with singing bell with swinging echo and all that sort of thing our congregation has come alive to the bells they say we can't wait to see what you do next yep. so exactly right Anything you do differently, they and they are showing up to listen. Okay, this line is basically the same as this. 
except instead of swinging, we're going to do this little echo thing, and it's kind of graphic. Put the table lightly, and what happens when the bell touches the table? First, it amplifies it, but it also knocks off you know 20 or 30 percent of the sound, depending on how hard you, you touch it. So you said, take you said table, but you mean foam, right? I do. Okay. Yeah. yeah it, the plastic probably wouldn't be good. Just check it. Another unapproved technique. Um, so just ring it and then go two, three, four. And by the end of four, there's not much sound left. If you can do this, touch it and bring it up, touch it and bring it up, more of the sound will, will still be available to the listener. One of the problems for a ringer is you're not hearing what the listener's hearing because if the bell is going straight up and down, you're hearing it fine. And that's why when I'm out here saying, I'm not hearing that F in the melody. What's going on? She said, well, I hear it fine. Well, yeah, because she's playing it here. Instead of, okay, so try that echo thing, and let's just see how you do. Close to the table, so you don't have to move very far. Right, that, yeah, that's another one that doesn't work so well with less mass of that. Sometimes you might want to do that. Yeah. As a director, use your ear. Don't let the ringers make that decision. Yeah. So just the whole note is doing the tapping? Correct. This symbol means that the long note is doing it. It has nothing to do with these guys. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, it's only the people who are available, really. This isn't available to them. Okay. Um, this is a, these, these two go together for my little exercise purpose. This is something that, again, was very popular for a short time, thank goodness. But we do still see it sometimes, and on a really cute piece. It's a very cute way to end. Table, land, dance. Right, ring the bell, and then go. And leave it standing up. Try it, ring it, and then down the table. And it'd be really good to land together <laughs> and, and on a piece of cloth. Here we go. I'll give you a whole note. Okay. Now shake, and then at, on beat four, stop shaking and make the, the motion. We've started using mallets instead of plucking a lot. This is called tap plucking. And you just do this with your thumb on the clapper for a bunch of repeated notes. Right. Otherwise, it will be too quiet. Right. Okay. Moving on, I'm going to show you a couple of other quick things here. The way LV is used these days is um, basically for uh, the way you use a pedal on piano. Years ago, 
everything was LV. They never turned anything off unless they were told to. But these days we assume that you're going to play only the uh, printed duration, unless it tells you otherwise. And this is one of those otherwises. So here's a C chord. Here's a bit of a G7 chord, a C chord, and a different C chord, but they want it damped. So can we play this once, please? Two, three, and four. Okay, now the next one is an interesting and right now archaic, but I think it's a wonderful marking if you tell people how to do it. Anybody tell what that means? That vibrate until harmony changes. Until oh, okay. harmony changes. Oh. So damp by ear. You can hear when these bells start joining the LV that this no longer fits. So you get rid of it. And then here, this no longer fits, so you get rid of it, but this could be a whole bar. I use this a lot until the point where my two adult groups play LV sometimes when the music doesn't say so, if it looks like that would be a cool thing to do. Until I don't know Okay? Okay. This is a marking we see a good bit. If you have these higher bells, double the, the up stem notes or double the melody, which may be different because there may be three notes on this up stem, but the top one is the melody or something. Generally, it's a melody we know when they tell you to do that. Or you, by the time it happens two-thirds of the way through the piece, you know the melody by now. Okay, now I have a few examples that I just want to go through real quick. How's, how's our time? Good grief. Okay. Um, this one is from a piece by Sandra Ethan called Psalm 52, and it's uh, with narration. That's why the... There's no one way by it. It's an amazing brand new piece. It's, it's coming out from um, AGHR this fall. Um, and what I wanted you to see here is that this LV doesn't apply to that. It's just for the accompaniment. And it's still LV since there, but then a new LV cancels that. And this means, that voice leading line, means that that E is intended to be part of this, but because in handbells, we decided about 30 years ago to always have C5 be in the bass clef. So this person doesn't have to keep watching the treble clef to find their note. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get to that in just a second, too. Uh, but because of that, we use voice leading lines to say that note is intended to be part of this LV. And then here again, that melody line is damped while this is LV. So if the LV were up above the treble staff, then that would just be the treble. Or equidistant or in, the in between, then it would apply to everybody. Yeah. Right. On the other hand, I frequently use my own judgment. Right. Say, I don't think so. That That's yeah. not working for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or if you have a really dry sanctuary, you might play more LV than the piece says. Or if you have a very live room, 
you might say, um, that's too much LP for our space. Nobody will hear the tune ever. It will just be pretty happy bell noise is what we call it. <laughs> okay, this uh, I wanted to show you because of the various techniques that are all happening at the same time. The mallets, are, she, when this is published, this is her manuscript copy. When this is published, it'll have the plus sign down here for these mallets rather than saying mallets. But it's the downstem notes, all the notes on the stem that have the, the articulation symbol, whatever it is, are use that where this doesn't. So this da 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 is all LV, and that keeps going but adds an octave higher. While this starts going bump 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 bump. I have a question. Yes, sir. The uh, the A five, I guess it is. Looks like it mallets in the first time and then it rings the second time. No, it's still part of that stem. I guess you just can't see it well. Stem down? Yeah. It's still part of this. Okay, it looks like it's attached to the stem down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Instead, of, I mean, the stem up instead of the stem down. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes that does happen. It does sometimes happen. And again, that a mallet is a really handy thing because you can do this, ring, and put it back down. If you were plucking, you'd have to then grab the bell. Or you call the editor and say, which one is that? <laughs> <laughs> or just decide. <laughs> or just mallet everything. Or, <laughs> or it, it, it doesn't matter. Just pick one and do it. Pick one and go with it. Can I have Binky's whole phone number, please? Yeah, exactly. That's right. Okay. Um, and we all know, I suppose, that these diamond shaped note heads um, imply chimes. Dale Wood tried years ago to get us as a, an industry to accept the notion of using diamond-shaped notes to show the melody. Um, and I kept telling him, you are underrating handbell directors. But they can't figure that out. Really? <laughs> they can't figure out where the melody is. Just put a note in saying, please emphasize the melody. <laughs> um, but there are people who thought that was a really cool idea. And there's one publisher now who's putting these notes in red. You really don't miss them. The ch chime notes. Yeah. Okay. I got a couple more quick things to show you. What is this? This is a very cool piece by Michael Glasgow for bell tree, where you've got like 30 bells on a rack, and one person's playing that with mallets. And that's the top line, and then the choir's playing this. Um, but something Michael is pushing for these days, and he is a very influential person because he talks well, and he's very smart, saying, okay, there are times when I find it easier to not always have C in the bass clef and D in the treble clef. So right now, he's showing things in both clefs so that we can see that. And hoping that someday we'll get to the point where we don't have to do this, but just read that. And, you know, let somebody circle their notes. Can't wait to see one, and, and they'll ask me, which one do I play? Yeah. <laughs> well, don't you have two notes? Or yeah. Don't you have two chimes? Yeah, please. How do I find them both at the same time? How do I find both at the same time? There are now, I've seen, this, I've seen that kind of notation now from four different publishers. Okay. Well, on a 
bell tree, is yes. that a second <coughs> set of bells yep. that you, okay. Yep. Right. Very expensive. Okay. Or borrowed. Borrowed. <laughs> I have a really good thing because I have my sets and then I have my wife's church if she's not using bells that morning and then she also is at a college and they have five, six octaves of bells. Yeah. Okay. I know, that's a lot of love. <laughs> okay, what did I want to do here? Oh, okay, here we go. This is an example of what I was saying earlier. If that chord were rung after these marts, it would be really weak by comparison. So he put mart lift. So it's going to have a rung after effect, but it's going to have a, an accented beginning that is the same as this. Remember, what the mart does is it brings in the resonance of the tape. So it's a fuller sound than, than a... This is why thumb damp is not a good substitute. And mart is not a substitute for thumb damp. It's a whole other thing. Thumb damp has, like, no resonance. What you're doing is killing the resonance. Okay. And Rhapsody in Color. This is a, an amazing piece by Everett Hilty, one of the most creative thinkers we've ever had. Um, there are several things I want to show you here. This, this is LV, and then a new LV, which cancels the old one, except, he said, leave the D4 ringing into that next bar. Don't resound it. It's still just tied over from this LV. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Um, this is about ring, uh, singing bells. RSB means ring it. And then, then start to stir. So that it really will start on beat one. <laughs> and that's another marking that is now becoming used quite a bit. And then instead of showing that whole note forever. Yeah, right. And then the bell tree plays these six bells and just says at random through measure 29. Just give a little halo of sound, which we're going to be doing quite a lot of in the next hour. Let's see what. Oh, this is something that I never saw again, but it's an amazing effect. It's a little bit acrobatic. What he says here is ring the half notes and mark the quarter notes. So it's all these half steps and whole steps being rung and marked at the same time. Like, like an, a little bit of an appoggiatura, except it happens at the same time, theoretically. <laughs> so try that once. Mark those notes. Mark anything with your left hand. Let's just let's keep it simple. Everybody do this. Get two bells. Mark something with your left hand. Ready? Together. Again? Yeah, do make sure you have a clear path to the table. Here we go. You only guessed. Okay, now ring your right hand. Don't mark, just the ring. Okay, now let's see if you can do them together. The mark is going to want to be early, so pay attention to how your body works. If we were doing just the notes, you hear what a cool effect this is. And he does this several times throughout the piece. And then here in 5 4, ring on one and down. Up, up, ring a new chord. That's what those arrows are swinging. 
Shaking techniques, anything on that? Yeah. Um, the, the important thing about a shake is to keep this closed and open your fingers so the bell's doing some of the work <coughs> instead of this. Thank <laughs> you. 